this is Ross Gelseth, the author of the book, Winning Words, Speaking Life to Influence Others. And this is yet another in our series of podcast topics, which are so relevant to life and so relevant to my book. And in today's era, so to speak, here we are coming into fall of 2021 and every day we are learning, reading, listening to snippets, articles, social media, whatever it is about leadership or lack thereof. So today's topic I have entitled Leaders on Leadership. Leaders on Leadership. And what I'm going to share with you are some do's and some don'ts, perspective from leaders on leadership. And in your sphere of influence, included in that sphere of influence, or who is it that may be leading you, or who is it you're most aware of in terms of leadership, or who is it you're thinking about that, how did they get to be in leadership? How could this be? What's going on here? So there's different aspects of there. There's the strength of leadership or there's the absence thereof. And in my short history, having been a head football coach at the university and high school level for 26 years, being the head of a school for 26 years, been on lots of national and state level and local community leadership conversations and assignments. I've seen both and. I've seen strength in leadership, leadership that people look at and say, that's exactly how it should be. I love that. But I've also seen and I witnessed a lack of leadership, a lack of consistency, and just a lack of dependability on leadership. So today, I'm going to let some other people, and you're going to recognize some of these names that I'm going to let share with you their insights on leadership. And the first of which is Theodore Roosevelt, who was the 26th president of the United States. And during his life, President Roosevelt authored a very inspirational piece called The Man in the Arena. And the man in the arena is the person that people are looking at. In other words, he's visible because the arena was built to bring people together to watch. And the man in the arena is highly visible. And in fact, leadership, that's why leadership needs to be a constant. That's one of the first things we'd establish. Effective leadership includes a constant, meaning it's dependable, it's consistent, it's a part of the fabric. But here's what Theodore Roosevelt, 26th president, said about the man in the arena. It starts off with this. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done better. Instead, the credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, 
who may err, who may come up short again and again, because there's no effort without error and shortcoming. We all fail. But this same person in the arena is the person who knows great enthusiasm, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place may shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Now let's unpack this perspective from Theodore Roosevelt, the man in the arena. First of all, he separates out the critics from the actual doer, the person in the arena. It's easy for anybody to criticize. It's anybody easy for anybody to say this, that, or the other. But the reality is, President Roosevelt is exhorting and extolling the virtue of the person who is in the arena, who's in the fight. And then he goes on to say that in amongst the struggle in leadership, and leadership is not easy, people. What we can learn from effective leaders is they failed a lot. But you know what they had? They had that perseverance and they strive to keep on. And so President Roosevelt lifts on the pedestal the person in the arena, and even though they fall short, they continue to strive to do the deeds. And they do so. And here's some characteristics of effective leaders. They have great enthusiasm. They have great devotion to the cause who literally spends himself or herself to attain that cause, to realize the goal. And that leader also knows that the triumph of high achievement comes at the risk of failure. And they relish the challenge. They they relish the opportunity to lead in the most difficult circumstances. Then the last thing that Theodore Roosevelt speaks to here is so much better, in his opinion, to be the man in the arena who is working to lead, who is striving to do his best, than to be the person, and President Roosevelt, former President Roosevelt, says this way, better to have the place of the leader in the arena than those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. In other words, they've never been there. So in a nutshell, that's President Roosevelt's description of leadership, and he titled it, The Man in the Arena. So let's establish that leadership is visible. Leadership is on the front page, so to speak. Leadership can be seen through the window. Now, another teacher that I'm going to let you learn from today is another president, Dwight D. Eisenhower. President Eisenhower spent a career in leadership 
before and after being elected the president of the United States. So he was a leader long before he became president. And in fact, if you study his life, you could see that he was prepared to be president because he had been a leader. There was evidence of his consistent and quality leadership. But he looked at leadership as a standard that not everyone could meet. And in fact, the reason I titled this podcast Leaders on Leadership is this is leaders like former President Eisenhower who are speaking And I'm going to paraphrase here, but he gives five points related to people who are unsuited for high command. In other words, they cannot be leaders. So here's the first one. These are kind of the checklist of you can't have this and be a leader too. So here's the first one. The self-seeking in matters of promotion. They want to be in a leadership role. They want to promote themselves, so they want to be a leader. In other words, they're self-centered, they're self-seeking, they're trying to advance their own agenda. They're self-seeking. They're in it for themselves. And former President Eisenhower speaks first and foremost in his list of five that this is a quality that's unsuits, disqualifies for someone for high command. The self-seeking in matters of promotion, they want it for themselves. There's a selfishness component to their personality, to their drive. The second is a person or persons who try to pass the buck. In other words, they don't want to accept responsibility. They want to blame others. They are consistently and constantly going to deflect any kind of criticism, criticism, any kind of adversity, and they're going to do their best to pass it on to someone else. Now think about the world that we currently live in. I would offer up to you that our world has become very skeptical of leaders, particularly leaders who constantly will not take responsibility. They will consistently instead say, this is someone else's fault. It's always been like this. There's no way to overcome this. So-and-so put me in this situation. So whenever it comes to their receiving criticism or their inability to accept responsibility is really a factor of their passing the buck on to someone else, deflecting criticism, and making excuses. So that's the second one. The third is an interesting point that former President Eisenhower makes. And if you know, if you remember, former President Eisenhower was a military leader before he was president. But one of the things he noticed that disqualified people for leadership positions is those who try to do everything. In 
terminology that I become familiar with. This refers to the boss who is a micromanager, who wants his or her touch on everything and will not fully empower his people, his team, to do what they can do best. Instead, he wants to not only steer the car, but he wants to develop the car. He wants to determine where the car is going. He wants to park the car. He wants the car in the garage. He wants the car out on the road. And he does not depending upon the people around him. And successful leadership is really a function of gathering people together, empowering everyone, and then collectively the organization all achieves more. Why? Because together is so much better than being alone. We can all do so much better together. So former President Eisenhower speaks against that and says a leader, a perceived leader, who wants to do everything himself is not suitable for high command. And think about this. There's a saying that I've used, if you want to go fast in life, go alone. But if you want to go far in life, then go together. So at the end of the journey, how far will you have gotten alone compared to how far will you get in life? How much achievements in in your journey when you agree to go together? So that whole organizational culture of together we can as compared to I can, I don't know about you, but I'd much prefer to be a part of leadership that engages team members in the goal and lets them become a part of the outcome. Here's number four. Disqualification for leadership is for those who want the visibility. They want the limelight. They do demonstrative things. They say things that are beyond perception, but they do so because they want attention. They want themselves to be visible. They like recognition. And President Eisenhower wrote and spoke against this. He felt like people that were going to be in high command instead needed to be people of humility, people that would take responsibility, go about doing what they were to do, with diligence and with commitment and with perseverance. And they weren't in it that they would look good themselves. They weren't concerned who was at the front of the line. They weren't concerned about who got the credit. And in fact, contrary, they praised those around them instead of putting themselves in the forefront. So that's the fourth. The fifth that President Eisenhower spoke against in terms of suitability for high command were pessimists who saw the negative in situations. And if you think about it, the word pessimist in its sheer definition 
are those that look through a clouded lens. Those who see darkness instead of light. Those who see trouble and danger instead of opportunity. Those that see obstacle instead of opportunity. Those who see defeat instead of victory. So, pessimistic people by their nature have a difficult time becoming effective leaders because they consistently and pretty much continuously in conversations with their people around them, they will profess or proclaim a negative view of things. Well, negativity does not create positive energy. Positivity is what creates high energy. And so leadership is for those that can paint a picture that people want to see and they enjoy seeing. Those who are, who are set for success in leadership can create a journey. They create a vision. And that vision is one that people want to follow. They want to go where that leader wants to go. President Eisenhower says, pessimists are not suitable for high command because they see the negative in situations. Let me review those five again. First, those unsuited for high command includes, number one, the self-seeking in matters of promotion. Number two, those who try to pass the buck. Number three, those who try to do everything themselves. They're controlling. Number four, those who shout or pound on desks because they're demonstrative. They want visibility. They want to be recognized. And the fifth are pessimists who see negative in situations. Now, I want to add another leader's insight who was very influential in my coaching career. When I aspired to be a high school football coach, I needed to learn as much as I possibly could about coaching. And one of the first coaching clinics I went to was in Minneapolis, Minnesota. This was in the 1970s. And I was listening to John Ralston, who was the head coach at several universities, one of which was Stanford, went on to become the head football coach of the Denver Broncos in the NFL. So he spent a career in leadership at both the collegiate and professional levels. And at a clinic, I listened to Coach Ralston talk about effectiveness and being professional in leadership. And there were three points he made. And I've re- I wrote these down in 1974, 1975, in that time frame. I've still got the notes. The first characteristic that Coach Ralston identified for leaders who were the consummate professionals is they love what they're doing in life. 
They're excited about what's in front of them. They're excited about the challenge. They're excited about the opportunity. They genuinely bounce out of bed in the morning. They spend high energy throughout the course of their day. And they can do so because you know what they're empowered by? They're empowered by the love that they have for what they are doing. So the professional, the consummate professional, because they love what they're doing, they're going to do it well. Amen? Think about this. If you have a task list, what are you most apt to tackle first? Those things that you love to do. Further down the list are those things that you don't like to do as well or you flat out don't like to do at all. In other words, you don't love those things so you don't gravitate towards them. But Coach Ralston, successful at every level, maintained that the best of professionals, the best of leaders, love what they're doing in life. The second point he made was Consummate professionals, successful leaders, successful people recognize that they are always learning and they have a responsibility to improve every day. In a few weeks, available on my website, jelsethassociates.com, will be an opportunity to buy some dry fit t-shirts, long sleeved or short sleeved, that I've got sayings on the back of these t-shirts. And these are sayings that I've used over the years in leadership. One of which is, you get better or worse every day. We never stay the same. You get better or worse every day. We never stay the same. The same is true for us. Coach Ralston Put it a different way. He said, school is never out. A leader is always learning. So at the age of 22, at the age of 32, 42, 52, 62, 72, as long as we are breathing, we have opportunity to learn. We learn at different stages of life. We learn about different things in life. I'm learning right now, for example, how to be an effective grandparent. My wife, Ryan, and I have seven grandchildren. Until seven years ago, we had none. We had never experienced that. Now I'm learning every day how to be a better influence on my grandchildren. That's just one little example. When I was making the transition from graduating from college to becoming a high school teacher and coach, I had to learn every day how to be a better teacher how to be a better coach. So what did I do? What did John Ralston profess in this clinic talk? It started every day with the mindset that I was consistently learning. And part of every day, my responsibility was to improve myself. I couldn't be the same teacher at the end of the 1976-77 school year as I was at the beginning of the year. You follow me? The same thing is true with your life. Whatever you're doing, leaders are always learning. And then the third note I made from Coach Ralston's talk was 
the consummate professionals, the successful people, the great leaders had learned to set personal standards that were higher and beyond what others expected of them. In other words, their own high bar of expectation was set above where people expected them to be. And the beauty about setting a high bar of expectation, in other words, setting goals and setting standards for your life that are beyond expectation. I remember one year we chose as a theme for a college football season with a team that I was a head coach of. And we used the term beyond expectation. We used it again at Life Christian Academy when I was the head of school. We did so because we wanted to provide a level of service and a level of quality education that was beyond the expectation of people. It was an aspirational goal. But Coach Ralston's point here was that professionals and leaders are those people that set high standards and they set them higher than the expected expected outcomes need to be. Well, as an organization moves to a point of higher than, what happens? They achieve higher than. They become higher than. They live higher than. So those were three points that John Ralston made. And what those were three points, when I listened to him, he was a mature coach. He'd been in it a long time. He'd learned a lot. And you could just tell by listening to John Ralston that he spoke with a degree of maturity and a degree of solid foundation. He was speaking from a basket that was full of wisdom and insight. So those three characteristics, they love what they're doing in life, they recognize their responsibility to improve, and they have high personal standards or organizational standards beyond the expectations of others. Now, when we take this to 2021 Leaders on Leadership, what does Ross think? Okay, I believe that leadership defines the world globally and locally. Globally, we receive information from what's happening in various parts of the world. And in my 70 years, we've never received more information than we do now. We have access to so much information. So we have a sense, is the world getting better or is the world becoming more chaotic? That's a reflection upon leadership around the world. Leadership not only surfaces and functions every day around the world, but it also is a part of everyday life. Within your family, within any organization you're a part, with any any opportunity you like to participate in, others are involved in it. And I'll just give you a, a perfect little example. If you're going to go play a game of tennis with a friend or a few friends, you're going to drive by tennis facilities. Tennis facilities that are well-maintained 
are a function of someone's leadership who's provided oversight of maintaining that tennis court. Another tennis court a few blocks away. The surface is chipped. The lines are almost disappearing. The net is tattered. The fence around it has holes in it. What is that? That at one point had potential to be like the first tennis court. But because of lack of leadership, lack of oversight, lack of diligence in terms of taking care of it, lack of care. That tennis court is not the one you're going to stop at. Where do you want to play? You want to play at the facility that's the best. Why is it the best? Because someone's leadership, some organizational leadership, had the foresight as well as the drive and determination, and their goal was to improve that tennis court year over year, day by day. So globally and locally, Leadership presents itself every day. The other part of leadership is that as President Roosevelt spoke to, leadership is not easy. Leaders on leadership speak over and over to the challenge of leadership. And challenge is a presentation of obstacle, difficulty, but it's also presentation of opportunity to overcome the obstacle. It's an opportunity to get through the difficulty. So let me close this by putting this in perspective. I hope you've enjoyed these insights on leaders on leadership. It really boils down to, it all trickles down, so to speak, It all lands with you and I. What can we each do to help ourselves become the very best me or I? How can I be the very best Ross? I think it takes a commitment as a leader to be at my best. I've got to relish the opportunity. I've got to accept the responsibility. I've got to commit every day to being my best. And I also am a believer that if I do my best, then God will do the rest. I close with this little point. In 26 years as head of school at Life Christian Academy, my my arena no different than yours, no more important than yours. But real frankly, the candid reminder every day in those 26 years. There were no days off. If I was going to count it a work day, what did Life Christian Academy need every day? They needed Ross at my very best. So my pledge over the years, and I use this little statement with people, do your best and God will do the rest. So when I get up in the morning got ready to go to school, so to speak, for 27. Didn't I go to school for a long time? 26 years is a lot of learning. But I had to get up every day with the mindset that I was going there knowing that the faculty, the staff, the administration, the students, the families needed which Ross to show up. The Ross that would do his best. And I, again, 
expected myself to do the best. Not perfect. I failed. I fell short, which is a part of Theodore Roosevelt's A Man in the Arena. But I did so knowing I had the backing of God, the Almighty, because he would also do his, he would do the rest. And real frankly, he can do better than I. So I had a good partner. So thanks for listening in to this session, Winning Words, Leaders on Leadership. Today, we've learned from former President Roosevelt. We've learned about those qualities that make people unfit for leadership from former President Dwight D. Eisenhower. We've learned from John Ralston, highly successful football coach at the university and professional level. And I've also tossed in a few of my own personal insights. My goal here is to expose people to what leaders share on effective leadership. Your family, your business, your organization, our world, all need the most effective leadership that we can provide people. Be a great leader. Keep improving every day. Love what you're doing. Set high standards. Keep on improving day after day. Enough from Ross. Thanks again so much for being with us on this and yet another session of Winning Words where we speak life and we do so to influence others to be the best possible person they can be. Thanks again. God's very best to you.